Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Murphy's League. Today's episode we're going to be going over my combine reactions, going to be talking a little bit about Derek Carr, Daniel Jones, and the extensions they reach with their respective teams. I'm also going to be talking about Lamar Jackson's situation. Don't think I'm going to be covering any NBA content, so stay tuned for the episode. I hope you guys enjoy, and let's get right into it. guys so getting right into it i do have class pretty soon so this is going to be a pretty quick episode but there's a few obvious winners from today's combine we're going to address two right off the bat because they really stood out amongst the rest of them obviously we got to start with anthony richardson this guy quarterback coming out of florida if you don't know who he is he definitely should be on your radar this guy is an all-world athlete i mean his 40-yard dash is now third all-time behind rj3 and reggie mcneil to put it in perspective he has a faster 40 time than michael vick he absolutely torched the 40 um his 10-yard split is also third all-time it's worth mentioning guys like lamar and justin fields didn't run the 40 but this guy absolutely destroyed every record there was i mean his vertical was the highest there was his broad jump was the highest there was amongst all qualifying quarterbacks and it wasn't even close when it when you look at numbers like that this guy is just seriously just one of the freakiest athletes we've ever seen at the quarterback position i think for those tools alone because we all know his end accuracy is definitely a problem it showed up on tape many times throughout he only had a completion rate in the 50s um it was low 50s at that it was a, definitely a problem but i think there's just so many coaching staffs in the nfl that's going to see this skill set and just see all the tools he possesses which he most certainly does and i think he can definitely be effective in the right system obviously if you give him a little time to sit that'd probably be ideal i think seattle at five are definitely going to be eyeing him because even though they just extended geno smith um to a three-year 150 million dollar deal i believe it was which he fully deserves at this point he's proven that he can be their starter going forward you build a good enough team around him get you know, he, you've proven you have two good tackles in front of him, but you can build the rest of this offensive line. You can definitely be a very potent offense with Geno Smith dealing. Um, but Geno honestly had a, has a pretty similar profile to Anthony Richardson. I definitely could see where Anthony just, you know, learns from what he's got going on there, you know, takes the three years or maybe even less than that and becomes the starter after a year or two. I could definitely see that being a situation where it'd be a really good fit for him. I don't know if they will spend the fifth overall pick on that, but again, would not be surprised. Even if he goes higher than that, just based off his tools, whether it be a team trading up to go get him or one of those teams in the top four right now, like the Colts or like the Texans, if they spend draft picks on him i would not be surprised at all again it's really coming down to tools in this one he's got all the tools in the world uh, we've already seen how dynamic he can be on his tape as an athlete and a runner um i think in the right scheme and under the right coaching staff especially if you give him time to sit this guy can be a really really elite quarterback at the next level i mean again just needs time to work on his mechanics but if he ends up in the right system and just has a little time to develop because i don't think he can go in immediately as a starter and be effective through the air um if he goes to the colts i think they'd have to completely revise their offense for him to be viable i think they'd have to be run a lot more of a lamar jackson scheme there and just ask him to run the ball a lot more which i mean can still be effective enough because he's just that dynamic but I really do think if you give him time to develop as a passer, this guy can be one of the greatest mismatches in all the sport. He can do things similar to Lamar and Justin Fields that we're seeing right now. Um, another guy definitely worth talking about before I get into a long list of guys is Adetamewe Adabare. I hope I'm saying his name right. Uh, edge rusher coming out of Northwestern. 
absolutely surprised a lot of people at the combine including myself i really liked him coming out of northwestern his tape was phenomenal i loved his first step burst and it's just a guy you do not want to run away from he's gonna blow up every single play because he's just his first step is fantastic for his size he should not have the burst that he has but 6'2 282 nearly 34 inch arms with 10 and a half inch hands he is a massive bulldozer of a human being i think in the nfl he's going to be a 3-4 end um, but he can even play off the edge with his skill profile, especially if you have him slimmed down a little bit more. He can run even faster. The fact that he ran a 4.49 at 2.82 is just insane. It gives him a lot of versatility. I think there's tons of defensive coordinators that would love to have a guy like this in on their team. I think he'd be perfect for Kansas City, even at the end of the first round. I think lining him up next to a lot of their big guys they have in the middle there, along with Chris Jones. But I, Kansas City is just a team that is so diverse in terms of how they line up their guys. I think that they could give tons of offensive linemen mismatches, especially in a blitz-heavy scheme there, forcing one-on-ones and shit like that. I think he could be absolutely dynamic. Um, but he ran a 4-4-9, 40-yard dash, a 1-6-1 split, which again, at his size, is just absolutely stupid. Nearly jumped 38 inches in the vertical jump, 37 and a half, and had a 10-5 broad jump. So this is just an incredible, incredible athlete for his size. Obviously, guys like Nolan Smith really showed out at the combine, but he's much smaller, even... 40 less pounds than this guy um and for them to even run in the same you know atmosphere is just insane he really really did show out at the combine i guess that kind of brings us into nolan smith because nolan smith another guy that really impressed he was a guy that had i feel like he had a lot of pressure coming into him this combine just because we hadn't seen him been on the field for a little bit he was beat up his last year there at georgia and uh, obviously stuff that you can't control there but he really made the most out of his opportunity for being a little bit undersized that was definitely a criticism in his game he had to make up for it with his athleticism and he most certainly did i mean to have a 4-3-9-40 run sub 4-4 that's a lot better than a lot of these receivers in this draft i mean fuck he ran faster than jalen hyatt that is insane jalen hyatt you know known to be one of the fastest receivers coming out of this class honestly kind of underwhelming in the 40 yard dash had a really good split but the fact that you know he ran faster than him it really just shows you how elite of an athlete this guy is and then a 10-8 broad jump 41 and a half inch vertical this is again another guy that's just he's undersized only 6'2 240 maybe not even 240 that's like a generous 240 a uh, little bit shorter arms at 32 inches and then nine inch hands so again a little bit smaller but just to make up for it with this athletic profile you can compare him to a guy like micah parsons he's not going to be micah parsons i'm not expecting that but just as an athletic profile there is some similarities there and again when you're undersized and you didn't put up um, as much tape in the final games of your collegiate career to come into the combine and have a performance like this just really really shows why he was ranked the top overall prospect in the 2019 recruiting class just really really showed out on the biggest stage really happy for him there and then i think the cornerback class as a whole i mean i think i've already talked about it in a little bit in my last episode but i think this cornerback class is absolutely loaded i think there's a lot of really really good nfl corners that are going to come out of this draft i also think the tight end class is ridiculous um i think the running back class is ridiculous i didn't think too many of the running backs really separated themselves because i think we already knew that this class was just extremely good so i don't think any of it's too surprising so i'm not going to go over it in this video but let's talk about cornerbacks really quick and then i'll get into a couple tight ends that i was really impressed with i mean so many corners showed out in this draft class it is insane how well they performed i think cam smith really really helped his his draft stock excuse me um he 
listed in at 6'1", 180. I was expecting him to be a little bit bigger than that, not going to lie, just the way he plays. Um, he plays much bigger than that size, kind of like a Devon Witherspoon in that aspect. Just super, super feisty, really, really good tackler. Um, I love his tape coming out of South Carolina. I also love the fact that he played in the SEC against some really, really hard competition. I think that really helps him a lot, and I think people kind of overlook that in some aspects. Not to take anything away from Christian Gonzalez, but it's a little less impressive what he was doing in the Pac-12. The competition in the SEC is just better. That's really not arguable in my opinion but cam smith the fact that he ran a 4-4-3 and with a 1-4-9 split that is serious explosiveness and serious speed and i think the knock on him was his athleticism i thought that didn't really show up on tape a lot and he could have gotten burned deep i didn't really think he had the recovery speed but to have testing numbers like this either he's been putting in a lot of work and hopefully it'll carry over into the nfl or there's something that he just wasn't really showing up on tape, and I don't think he was using that to his full ability. I legit think after this, coaches are going to see this and think he's not just limited to a nickelback, because I think that watching his tape initially, I thought that he was probably going to be best fit as a nickel, helping and run support, and not having to be as athletic on the perimeter. But running a 4-4-3 and having a 1-4-9 split, he can keep up with receivers on the outside in the NFL. Also had a 30-inch, 38 38-inch vertical jump, which is nothing insane but that's still a really good number and then an 11-2 broad jump that is a really good number that shows that explosiveness that shows that dynamism um i really really think he helped out his stock this is a guy again i was really really high on i don't think as many people were talking about i feel like people are now start, starting to show him a lot more respect knowing that seeing these numbers that he probably can be um a problem on the outside and again his frame He's long. He's one. He's six one with a long wingspan, but he needs to increase his weight a little bit. I think even if he adds ten pounds of muscle to his frame, he can still be in the high four fours and the forty. Maybe drop a couple hundredths of a second in the ten yard split, and he's going to be perfectly fine on the outside. Um, I'm really, really excited for Cam Smith. And moving on, another cornerback that this this was honestly the most impressive. To me, I wasn't expecting him to run this fast. I knew he was a dynamic athlete. Um, didn't have quite the broad jump of Cam Smith or the 10-yard split, which again, I think really shows you that Cam Smith can be an explosive elite cornerback at the next level because having a 1-4-9 split, that's really impressive. But I am talking about Christian Gonzalez. He's got 20 more pounds on Cam Smith. Um, about the same frame though he's 6'1 so again you can argue once Cam Smith puts on a little bit more weight he's not going to be quite the athlete but Christian Gonzalez I mean he ran a 4-3-8-40 so he showed that top end speed able to cover receivers down the field um, which I think is really really important 41 and a half inch vertical so he can easily contest with anybody on 50-50 balls at 6'1 to be able to jump that high he's going to be able to high point balls and I think that was I kind of nitpicked about that a little bit on his tape i didn't think he had the best like you know grabbing the ball out of the air ball skills and just pinpointing that thing on its way down i think that with this athletic profile you can absolutely coach that into him and again that was more of a nitpick there was still times on tape where he did that for example there was a play i th think against colorado where he high pointed a ball really well but he was more playing like a like a zone free safety type of look on that play um either way not quite the broad jump that Cam Smith had, 11-1 instead of 11-2. But again, these these are very comparable athletes. Um, really, really impressed me. And i got to say, this cornerback class is so fucking good. Moving on to just another just crazy dynamic athlete. Um, again, very comparable to these last two guys. Deontay Banks coming out of Maryland. Didn't have quite the stats or the pedigree coming out of Maryland. I think he gave up a few more plays um, just because he was a little more antsy. But... 
again, if you get him in the right system, get him in the right coaching staff, this guy is going to be really, really good. Deontay Banks ran a 4-3-5 40-yard dash, a 1-4-9 40-yard split. So, you know, <laughs> even better than Christian Gonzalez in those aspects when just, again, around the same frame, an inch shorter, but about the same weight. 42-inch um, vertical and 11-4 broad. This is a dynamic, dynamic, explosive athlete that I think under... I mean, if you get him with the Ravens, they love cornerbacks like this um, that can just do a whole lot, really lengthy, really rangy, going to play physical. I think you get him in Seattle. He can do a lot of really good things. I think there's just a ton of teams that would love to have a corner like Deontay Banks. And I think we're going to see possibly even three or four corners go in the first round. I think Gonzalez is definitely a first round guy. I think Devon Witherspoon is without a doubt a first round guy. I think Deontay Banks, Joey Porter, and Cam Smith can all find themselves in that in this conversation as well. These guys are just, they're way too athletic to be, especially at a position of value like cornerback in today's NFL that's so pass happy happy excuse me a lot of teams are really going to value these guys and a lot of teams need press man corners right now um which I think honestly with the athleticism these guys showed and the length they possess I think these guys are versatile I think a lot of these guys can play zone and man I think they can you know stay in your hip because they're dynamic enough to you know stay stride and stride with some of these x receivers but I also think they're fluid enough and can open it up and attack downhill to play zone schemes as well so I think these guys are versatile I think they're super deep I think Deontay Banks Christian Gonzalez and Cam Smith really helped their their stock the most out of any one of these corners um, another guy that is 100% worth mentioning because he's even bigger than these guys which is just freakier to think uh, Keely Ringo coming out of Georgia obviously didn't have his best game in his last game of the year or his second to last game of the year against Ohio State but he's going up against legit NFL talent in Marvin Harrison and some of those other guys in the Ohio State locker room but to be 6'2 207 again just feels like a Seattle Seahawk he's fucking huge when you watch him on tape, and he looks bigger than that when you watch him on tape. He's like a linebacker out there. The fact that he ran 4-3-6 with a 1-5-4 split is just insane. Not great on the vertical or broad, but still showing that just elite speed, elite high-end tracking ability to stay with a receiver. Um, again, one of these guys that I think in Seattle or in Baltimore or one of these types of schemes that like to run a lot of man-to-man -man and just stick your guy on... Uh, or stick a corner on the X receiver on the outside, I think he can do a whole lot. And you coach him up a little bit, um, take some of these flaws out of his game, he's going to be a damn good corner on the next, le next level. And then it is worth mentioning TJ Turner at this spot, coming out of Michigan, another cornerback that is just freaky. He ran a 4-2-6-40, obviously um, had the best 40 time at the Combine this year. Coaches love that. Coaches love the intangibles. You can't coach something like speed. Someone's going to take a risk on this guy in the third, possibly even the second round. And it's good. And it might just end up paying off in a really, really big way. I think the corners did a huge favor for themselves in this year's draft. Again, I've said it many times. I'm going to say it again until the draft starts. This is a really, really damn good cornerback draft. Um, as far as receivers go, I don't think a lot of them really separated themselves. I'll talk about one coming up here in a second. I think the only one that really did any favors for themselves was JSN, Jackson Smith and Njigba. Um, still having trouble pronouncing that guy's last name. But really impressive ball skills, really, really fluid on all the catching stuff. Um, I thought a lot of the over-the-shoulder stuff and adjusting to balls was really impressive to see. Um, just everything you're expecting to see from him. Um, 
amazing three cone time and that's really what you want to see from someone like this when he's not going to run the 40 because honestly he probably wasn't going to run a good 40 time anyways so on i think that was a good business decision i think if his agent told him to do that i think that was the right move whether it was himself or whoever told him to do that advisor whoever it might have been that was a good move that was the right move because there's no point in going out there and showing yourself a worse time when you that was already concern on tape if people are concerned about that you don't have anything to prove at this point you were the most effective weapon on Ohio State's team two years ago when they had Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. He was easily the most productive out of all three of those guys. I think a lot of sco uh, coaches are just going to prioritize that. They're going to see his three cone has changed direction because if people are already talking about you about being just a slot receiver in the NFL because they're concerned about your speed, don't give them another excuse to just bind you in that box. Don't even run the 40. Show your change of direction. Show your ball skills. Show what you're good at. And I think he did a really good job at doing that. He's probably going to run the 40 at his pro day anyways because I think they require that. So that'll be a little more telling. But I feel like at pro days, at least maybe they've gotten away from this. But in the past, I feel like they're a little more lenient on some of those times. So maybe that's what his plan is at the end of the day. Um, but I really did think he helped himself a lot, especially in this receiver class that I think they, for the most part, a lot of these guys underwhelmed in their testing. I mean, not a lot of them had great 40 times. I'm going to pull up all their 40s right now, just so I'm not just pulling numbers out of my ass. Let me um, pull up the combine results. But I mean, even guys, I mentioned it a little bit earlier. I thought Jalen Hyatt didn't really help himself because I thought he was going to run a lot faster in the 40. He didn't end up doing that. He ran a 4-4 flat, which don't get me wrong. It's not a bad time at all. That's still really fast, but I thought he was going to be more in the four low four threes type of guy. Um, Zay Flowers, another guy that I thought was going to hit the four threes. He ended up being a four four two guy. Um, Jaden Reed, a guy that was known as this you know vertical stretcher at Michigan State, and I thought he was going to help his stock a lot. Only ran a four four five. Again, these aren't terrible times, but they're really not great. Josh Downs and Tank Dell again did not have great times. When you're this undersized, that's going to separate you a lot. And I know a lot of people are really high on Josh downs and tank dell and they did have pretty good 10 yard splits so they showed a lot of that just explosiveness and immediate acceleration but as far as long you know um long term and i guess what's the word i'm looking for long sustained speed they really didn't impress in those categories josh downs ran a 448 at 59 again that's really nothing impressive tank dell even smaller than that i think he's like 58 ran a 449 Keishon Boutte, another guy really didn't help his stock ran a 45 flat not impressive in the three cone not impressive a lot of the ball skill stuff and this is a guy that two years ago a lot of people were considering he could be the wide receiver one when he comes out of his class um again just not a lot showing in the wide receiver class i think a lot of these guys just hurt their stock if anything i think there's still some value to be had and there's some depth deep down on the board but a lot of these guys really just did not impress me um one receiver that i think did separate themselves a lot from a lot of these other guys and you're going to hear his name a lot more especially as the draft comes closer is bryce ford wheaton receiver coming out of west virginia he did everything i mean he is fucking massive he's got a very similar size profile to dk metcalf honestly a pretty similar just profile throughout in terms of his athleticism he really really did show out at the combine he's known as more of a jump ball specialist at west virginia didn't have the most productive time there but i think he was hindered a little bit by just being dinged up and also had some quarterback issues there i still have yet to go watch his entirety of his film i've only watched um I mean, I haven't even watched much of his film at all, but I've heard analysis over him and I watched his combine performance and I immediately was like, whoa, who is that guy? Because he just stands out. He's bigger than every receiver there. Again, this is a receiver class that there's not a lot of true X, you know, dominant physical 
put you on the outside, put you on an island against these corners, go get jump balls. There's not a lot of the guys in this receiver class. Even some of those guys that have the size profile, like Quinton Johnson, they're not really known as jump ball contested catch guys. Bryce Ford Wheaton is that for your offense, and that's extremely valuable, especially when he ran a 4-3-8 fucking 40 at 6-3-200, or 6-4, 221 pounds, 33 and a half inch arms. That is a huge catch radius for a guy like that. And that a 40 of that time, that shows explosion, that shows downfield speed. Uh, you can track the ball. You can throw 50-50 balls his way. Again, this is a guy I would love to have in a Bears uniform. I could also totally see him fitting on like a Kansas City, on um, even fucking LA, the Chargers. That would be an amazing fit. Him and Mike Williams would just be a total mismatch. I don't think Mike Williams nearly has the downfield speed he has, but having two 50-50 guys like that and then Keenan Allen working the middle of the field, whew, that sounds amazing to me. If they don't end up with one of these guys like a Zay Flowers or, um, I mean, I could even see him taking Jalen Hyatt in the first round just based off his college production. Um, but, I mean, Bryce Ford Wheaton, a guy that's probably going to be going in the third round, if I had to guess right now, maybe have found, has found himself in the second round just purely based off tools. Um, but, I mean, DK Metcalf was the last pick in the second round. And, you know, we, we can see guys like slip like this all the time, but he just completely showed out. He definitely needs to work on his route running and overall as a variety of routes. Um, we didn't really see a lot of that in West Virginia. It had a very limited route tree. But again, that is very similar to what we said about DK Metcalf coming out. He completely refined that once he came to the NFL. Now he runs basically every route in the route tree. And even then, if you've got a good enough role for this guy and you're taking him in the third round, you can only have him run, you know, a certain number of routes, you know, whether it be, you know, uh, across a post a go he's gonna win a lot of go balls he's gonna win a lot of these posts you know he can create a lot of confusion get down the field quickly 50 50 balls he's just extremely impressive in that regard and to be 6'4 and have a 41 inch vertical there's not a lot of guys that can even jump with him that's just freaky stuff had the highest vertical in this year's class um really really good 40 yard dash like i said 10 9 broad jump 6 9 7 3 cone which isn't amazing but i mean you can work on that and again that's really not what he's going to be known for he's not going to be the craziest separator he's really going to separate with his speed and not his route running at the next level and i just think that someone's going to take a shot on this guy um and i think he can be a really 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 dynamic receiver at the next level thought he helped his stock a lot in this one one guy that i want to I mean, I guess this might be kind of controversial because some people won't be really worried about the, his numbers and stuff. Um, but Jordan Addison really did not do himself any favors at this combine. Again, this might be controversial, but me personally, I was not wowed by his numbers. His athleticism really was nothing to write home about. Um, really undersized. I mean, he's he's about Devontae Smith's size, maybe even smaller. He's 5'11", 173. Um, not a very big catch radius, only 30-inch arms, uh, pretty small hands at 8-inch and 3 fourths. So again, a really small receiver. He's known as more of a separator and a technician anyways, so... Maybe it won't end up mattering on, in the NFL, especially if he ends up in the right system, and I might end up biting my words on this one. But just from an athleticism standpoint, really did not stand out. To be 5'11", um, 173, you expect to run a pretty damn fast time, and he didn't really show that dynamic speed in college, but again, just not really doing himself any favors here. Only a 34-inch vertical. He's not really going to go up and get contested balls. Um... 10-2 broad, which is, is, is good, it's solid, but it's not amazing, uh, and a 4-4-9 40-yard dash, that's, again, that's really not great, basically a 4-5 flat, keep in mind, A.J. Brown ran a 4-5 flat, but A.J. Brown's 6-1, like, two, 
05, probably. So he's got 30 pounds on Jordan and probably an inch or two. So again, really not impressed by this one here. And this might be controversial. This might come to bite me in the ass because he is a very refined route runner for the most part. I don't love how they used him at USC, but two years ago at Pittsburgh, obviously one of the best, probably the best receiver in the nation. So maybe I'm going to bite my words here, but really wasn't impressed by what he put up at the combine. Again, I, I kind of talked about it a little bit earlier. Sorry, I just slammed my table, but I really wasn't impressed by any of the receivers in this class. Let's talk about the tight ends though, because man, did the tight ends show out. The tight ends did a lot of really, really good things at this year's combine. We can start with Zach Kuntz. Um, I believe that's how you pronounce his name because it's, it's a very weird spelling of the name but this guy showed out and i don't think enough people are talking about him right now he did everything at the combine and dominated in every single regard first i just want to start with his size i'm gonna click on his profile here um six seven two fifty five so again very similar profile to darnell washington a little bit smaller arms and a little bit smaller hands not that i'm too concerned about that he's about 10 pounds lighter as well but significantly better of an athlete I mean, 455 40-yard dash at 6'7", 255, that's fucking unreal. And again, this is a guy, I was like, who is this guy? How have I not see, heard of this guy before? Why is no one talking about this guy? I think he's being talked about a lot more now after the combine, and I still definitely need to go watch his tape. But my God, to be this big and have an athleticism score of 94 on the NFL Next Gen stats, I mean, he crushed it. On, and everything, absolutely everything. He was first in the bench, first in three cone, first in the broad jump, first in vertical. He was point a hundredth of a second off from being first in the 40 time. The only category he finished second in was the 20 yard shuttle. I mean, this guy did everything. I don't know what else you need to see from him. And judging off his bench number, he can be a run blocker at the next level. Again, I don't even know. I'm assuming he's a good run blocker because he's 6'7", 250, 255 at that. Um, with really long arms and really big hands. So I'm assuming he's a good run blocker. And if he's not, you can probably coach that into him just based off of his frame. And then judging off his athletic profile, even if he, you know he's not the most refined route runner. And again, I need to watch his tape. I really don't know. But um, man, you have to imagine he can be a good receiving threat at the next level. I don't know if he's the best route runner or um, you know if he has the best coordination as a pass catcher or whatever the intangibles are that you need to coach or not even intangibles just those things you need to coach into someone but just based off this profile someone's going to take a chance on this guy and if he ends up you know taking his time and getting coached up this guy can be a ridiculous tight end at the next level and it's definitely worth mentioning this tight end class is so good i mean it's t yes at the top end you've got guys like dalton kincaid who's going to be an amazing passing option at the next level michael mayer who's going to be a little bit of both he's going to you know inline block and be really good at that and then also you know work out a play action work the flats and be a good receiving threat he's not the most dynamic athlete we saw that in his 40 yard dash but i mean we saw his production in college he can definitely do it um and then there's guys like Luke Musgrave, who didn't test too well, but really showed on film that he is a dynamic athlete. I liked what he did a lot at the Senior Bowl. And guys like Darnell Washington, who I'm going to talk about in a second here, who, again, known as more of a pass-blocking guy because of his massive frame, but really showed his receiving skills at the Combine. Um, and man... This is just an amazing, amazing tight end class. The fact that a guy like Zach Kuntz might be going in the third round is just absurd based off his profile. And... I loved what this guy did for his draft profile at the NFL Combine. He is an amazing, amazing athlete. Definitely a name to keep watch of. Coming out of Old Dominion, of all places. So, shout out to Zach Kuntz. 
up next, let's talk about it because I just mentioned his name and I want this guy on the Chicago Bears so badly. And if we can get him, you know, by the time we get that Ravens pick in the second round, awesome. Um, if we end up trading with someone and we get an early second round pick and we have to use, you know, 39 or somewhere in the 30s to go get him, I'm perfectly fine with that too. Darnell Washington, this is my fucking guy. I loved him. I was pretty high on him coming out of Georgia before the combine came out, and I think a lot of people were sleeping on him as a receiving threat. I think a lot of people were kind of dismissing him as nothing but a blocking tight end, which, by the way, has a ton of value if it's you're in the right system. And I think on the Bears team of all teams, that would be an amazing addition to what we're trying to do on offense. But a lot of people are comparing him to Mercedes Lewis, which is 100% valid. But I think as a receiving threat, he can be even better than Mercedes. And as a blocker, I mean, it's so comparable. He can legitimately drive ends off the line of scrimmage. He is explosive as an athlete. I mean, what he did in the combine, he showed for himself. Some of those blocking drills, he was driving that thing back with such ease compared to some of these other tight ends. This is an extremely powerful guy. You look at his size. I mean, fuck, let me pull up his profile right now. I've got his times in front of me, but I don't have his exact size. I know he's 6'7", about 265. I want to say something like that. Um, I'm in the wrong category. Where are you? Here you are. He's about, yeah, so he's, he's listed at 6'7", 265, 34-inch arms and 11-inch hands. He is fucking massive, massive, massive human being. And to do what he did in the 40-yard dash and the 10-yard split is just crazy. It's so insane. And the 20-yard shuttle, which I don't think is getting enough attention, but 4'6", 464 40-yard dash incredible for his size 157 10-yard split again just showing that explosiveness he can get a field he can catch the ball he's not the craziest in the vertical jump only 31 inches but when you're 67 it doesn't fucking matter no one's going to reach you anyways you've got 6 inches on a lot of those fucking cornerbacks maybe even 7 maybe even fucking you know a foot <laughs> but no not really but you know what I'm trying to say uh 102 broad which is a really good number and then a 20-yard shuttle of 408 which again shows that change of direction shows that there's some you know there's there is some although a little bit of sniffness showed up on tape there's definitely something to work with there and i think he can be really dynamic 21 be bench rep bench press reps i can't speak um darnell washington a guy that i think is quickly shooting up draft boards and i think can be super valuable on a lot of teams especially with heavy play action um teams that need help protecting and also teams that want to you know do quick developing plays i think he can do a whole lot i think he would look so good i can't say it enough i want him on the bears so badly i think he'd be so fucking awesome i still think he's being slept on a little bit by some he's kind of controversial because it's like how high do you want to take a tight end and what type of production are you going to get from in the, in the receiving game but i mean with these types of tools and how he tested and that one catch he showed um that one-handed catch on the goal line fade play this guy has it. There's something there. It just needs to be unlocked. And I think it already has been unlocked in a lot of senses. And he's going to come in day one, be an immediately great blocker. And I think he can develop into a great passing threat. And people are saying, you know, what's his ceiling? What's his ceiling? Like, you know, is he ever going to be this great receiving guy? Even if he's not, if you're getting Mercedes Lewis in his prime, because I think that's really what Darnell can be. And I think he will be. Isn't that worth, you know, at least a second round pick? That's that's worth a first in a lot of teams' boards. So I really think this is a guy that's being slept on. I really love Darnell Washington. So excited to see where he ends up. 
Um, unless it's not the Bears, then I don't want to see him at all. <laughs> but let's talk about one more guy before we get out of here. Actually, no, no, no. I'm sorry. I've got to talk about Derek Carr and Daniel Jones a little bit. Let's talk about one more guy in the combine. Let's talk about some of those quarterbacks. Jack Campbell um, wasn't crazy impressive, but I think he just separated himself a lot more from a lot of these linebackers. This is a terrible linebacking class. There's not a lot of really good talent. I like the kid from Washington State. I like a couple of these players, but it's really, really weak. I've got to say, I don't think there's going to be a single one taken in the first round. We normally see at least one. Um, I don't even think that there's going to be a top 50 linebacker, if I'm being honest. I think if there's going to be one, it's probably going to be Jack Campbell or maybe the kid from Washington State, but I really don't know as of right now. I just think that Jack Campbell really separated himself because he he's bringing something a lot of these other linebackers in this class can't even bring to the table, and that's his size. He's 6'5", 250, which is fucking huge. These linebackers are getting smaller and smaller in today's NFL. They're becoming more and more like DBs, but one of these teams is going to value a guy like this, just a thumper, a huge, strong guy, really fluid for his size, not the fastest in the class, but a really good three cone and shuttle, so he shows that he can move his hips um, and just, again, just bringing something different from a lot of these other linebackers. A lot of these guys are really undersized. They're around 6'1 or 6'2, sitting around 230 pounds. Um, this guy's 6'5, 250. You can see over linemen. Um, I think he can be really good in the right system. And again, just bringing a different element from a lot of these guys. So anytime there's something that's just different and you can find a way to separate yourself from others in a process like the combine, great. And Jack Campbell did that stuff from him from basically just his God given ability and nothing he could really control. Um, but again, that's really important to these NFL coaches because they love the intangibles. This is something you can't coach. You cannot coach 6'5", 250, and a lot of coaches are really going to like that. Before we get out of here, let's quickly talk about Daniel Jones. He reached a four-year, $160 million contract with the New York Giants. I, I get it. I mean, from the Giants' perspective, I completely get it. Um, some people might be calling it an overpay or whatever, but the quarterback market, extremely inflated. you got to pay your guys. And this free agent class, especially with Derek Carr being gone now, and who knows how much of an upgrade Derek Carr would really be over Daniel Jones when Daniel Jones can do all the things he does with his feet. Um, and by that, I mean like the designed runs and scrambling outside the pocket and stuff. Daniel Derek Carr just can't do what Daniel Jones does in that aspect. Um, and this is a guy that's established. He's kind of proven, like, even though they didn't pick up his fifth-year option, he really proved this last year that he is improving and Brian Dayball is doing something good with him. If you get him a little more help on the perimeter, um, you can see why... You know, there's an argument to be made that he's still improving. So I get why they did it from that point of view. Uh, Four-year deal, again, $160 million. I don't remember the guarantees exactly off the top of my head. But again, not a great free agent class for the quarterbacks. Um, they're not going to go out and draft a guy in this year's draft class. Um, just doesn't make a lot of sense from that point of view. Um, especially with, you know, where their picks are situated. I don't even think, do they have a first-round pick this year? I feel like they don't. And I don't remember why they wouldn't, but I feel like they don't. Hold on. Let me look up their draft stock really quick. I don't know why. I feel like they don't have a draft picks 2023. Um, sorry. One second, guys. Okay. Now they're picking at 25. Oh yeah, that's right. I'm stupid. Well, they're at 25. They're not going to move up for a quarterback. If Daniel Jones just proved that he can do what he can do, that would only cause more turmoil in the front office and i think they just want to get it over with now again a pretty reasonable contract considering the cap space is only going to go up in the future um 
as more TV deals get signed and all that kind of stuff. But going hand in hand with this, they place the franchise tag on Saquon Barkley. Again, I, I really understand both of these moves. I don't think they want to move on from Saquon, but I also don't think they want to pay him long term. I think this is an excellent move from them as a team building point of view. It does suck to see from Saquon's point of view because I think he deserves to get paid. Um, not that I would pay him, but I just like feel bad for a lot of these running backs that they just don't want to get paid anymore. And Saquon is, you know, extremely valuable to this team. This team's not making the playoffs without him, most likely. Um, but again, it's hard to make an argument to pay someone like this who's had a lot of work, has had an injury history, um, only getting older. And frankly, you never know what snap is just going to be, you know, changing in terms of his career in terms of injury um all that kind of stuff and as much as it sucks to say it is the reality of the situation that running backs are just less valuable now and they're more replaceable um i think they stick with him for one more year possibly draft a guy in this year's class because it's an extremely deep running back class if they can get a guy like um is it roshan jones is that the guy the backup's name um for Bijan there i feel like that would be a great value and uh, i mean beyond that there's just so many directions they could go there's again there's so many running backs coming out of this draft i could definitely see them bringing a new guy in playing behind saquon giving saquon a little bit of rest and really you know bringing him full force once the playoffs come around if they end up back in them and then moving on from him this offseason let him get paid somewhere else and uh i think it makes a lot of sense from a roster point of view to not pay your running back i think it's just good management but to tag him i totally get it he's a really important part of this offense and i think you want to just slowly fade away from him rather than having him go um you know having all the success and that he's a really big part of and then having him you know simply walk away this next year so i i get both of those moves entirely up next let's talk about Derek carr going to the new orleans saints signed a very similar deal to daniel jones i'm going to look up the exact details right now because i don't remember them off the top of my head but i remember it being a four-year it was a four-year 150 million dollar deal so actually pretty team friendly he tends to do this uh Derek carr has never been the guy to get paid the most so that averages out to about um there's a hundred million guaranteed in this contract that's very important i will say that that's a really big amount of guaranteed money um but the average is out to fucking math like 37 and a half million a year right something like that right 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 divided by four yeah yeah 37 and a half wow quick maths um so yeah again really really team friendly for a team that you know struggles to stay under the cap each and every single year i think michael thomas is still in their roster i wouldn't be surprised if by the the league new year which is in like six days here um what is it the eighth or is it the ninth yeah it's the ninth so it's in like six days i would not be surprised if michael thomas is no no longer a new orleans saint just to get rid of some of that cap space and they i'm assuming they're already in the process of reconstructing deals and i don't think that deal fully goes into effect until the new league year so they don't really need to figure out some of those issues until then but i know this is a team that's constantly you know fighting the cap space and uh pretty much every year they seem to be negative which i don't know how they keep getting away with but they're definitely gonna have to restructure some guys or cut some guys um and right now their depth chart is really really low on offensive linemen if you look up their official depth chart they don't even have a lot of second string guys in some of those positions so that's definitely going to be a point of emphasis in the year's draft um there's a few things you could argue they need but i think interior offensive linemen particularly is going to be something they prioritize especially to keep Derek carr protected and again it's not a great receiver class but they might go receiver later in the draft which i could definitely see happening if a guy like Jaden reed who i was just talking about in michigan states there i think he could be a really good fit um even bryce ford wheaton could be a really good guy to pair with chris olave who's a little bit more of the silky smooth route runner bryce ford wheaton the guy to just go up and get it um but again i totally get it from the saints point of view i don't think this is going to be like a extremely you know 
uh, what's the word like league um, disrupting I guess or league shaking move because I just don't think Derek Carr is you know that type of quarterback but in terms of the NFC South it's definitely going to shake up things a lot because the Saints are a team they always feel like they're in win now mode um, but particularly when their division is this bad Tom Brady now being gone Carolina Panthers have a lot of question at the quarterback position Atlanta Falcons have a lot of quarter, quarterback um, you know not even controversy just quarterback uh fucking turmoil going on so the nfc south a really weak division new orleans saints a team that feels like they have a roster that's good enough to win now especially on defense i like what they have a lot going on there defense is also a spot they could be targeting at the end of the first round they could have to be going for one of these edge rushers to replace cam jordan in the long run because he's getting up there in age marcus davenport hasn't been exactly what you want him to be up to this point um but again, from the secondary, they're really good. Their offensive line has shown really good things. Alvin Kamara is still on the team. Chris Olave is something, someone you've seen a lot from. Um, so I get it. I get it from that point of view and where this division is. And again, it's a pretty for a franchise quarterback, and that is what Derek Carr is. He's good enough. You can win with him. Maybe you can't win at all, but you can most definitely be competitive with him. To be paying $37.5 million, that's a pretty team-friendly deal, and you can definitely build a, ro a roster around Derek Carr to be competitive in the NFC South. Are you going to win a Super Bowl with him? Probably not. But are you going to be able to win the division? Possibly. Possibly. You know? That's that's all I'll say. There's definitely, definitely hope for that one. Um, and before I get out of here, I want to quickly talk about Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, um, so the Ravens placed the non-exclusive franchise tag on Lamar Jackson, which I believe is $31.5 million this year. So he's still getting a pretty good payday for this year. Definitely not what you'd hope for a guy of his skill set. But it's just kind of strange to me what's happening here. I'm surprised that a lot of these teams are coming out publicly and just being like, we're out on Lamar Jackson. It seems like everything's basically going exactly how the Ravens front office wanted to go. I think Lamar Jackson's overestimated his value a little bit, which I'm surprised he's not worth what he thinks he's worth. But either way, it's really working out for the Ravens well because they're only going to be paying him 31 and a half unless he literally sits out next year, which I don't think he's going to do because he knows he needs to put tape up. Um, he's on a contract year and I think he really wants to prove that he needs to get paid. I think he's just too competitive to do that. Um, I mean, from a business point of view, it would kind of make some sense if he just didn't play on the tag um, and just sat out and waited to get paid somewhere else. But I think he'd probably be getting a little less money for that. There's just more security and, you know, not playing with your health. Because if he's playing on the tag and then he ends up getting injured again, um, that could really, you know, affect how he's going to get paid. But I think the simple matter of the fact is this guy hasn't been able to finish out the year the last two years. I think a lot of people are concerned with that and his play style and how sustainable it is. But I mean, the matter of fact is this guy's won an MVP before. Um, I am surprised that more teams are not in on him. And what happens now is if the Ravens, uh, so they have the opportunity to match a contract that is offered to Lamar. So that's basically setting the bar. So it's letting other teams set the bar. So from, again, from a Ravens front office, front office point of view, it completely makes sense. Because if Lamar, you know, ends up reaching a deal with someone else that is in it, it, I mean, think about it this way, right? The Ravens would have already paid him if, you know, they were willing to reach the number that he's, you know, that he wanted to reach. So worst case scenario, he moves on, another team overpays him, quote unquote, in the Ravens point of view. And then they get two first round picks from that team because that's part of the, the clause in that franchise tag. That's what like a non-exclusive franchise tag means. So worst case scenario, they end up for, with two first round picks. Best case scenario... 
a team pays him that a number they're willing to pay anyways and they wanted to pay him anyways and then they just match his contract and then they say well you see we tried to let you get the most money you could get but obviously that was the maximum amount we were going to give you anyways so now basically all the leverage is given back to the Ravens front office because they can just say oh yeah we'll pay you that because we were going to pay you that anyways so it's basically just they're just waiting for a team to agree with Lamar to a lower number so they can agree to that number. And then Lamar might even fucking go out there and be like, oh shit, I fucked up. No one wants to pay me $50 million a year. Will you guys give me 45? Because no, everyone else is only going to give me 45. And then the Ravens will settle and say, yes, we'll do that because we've been wanting to do that this whole time. So basically what I'm trying to say is the market for Lamar Jackson, I guess, is not what I thought it would be. I thought there'd be a lot more people out there willing to pay him, especially a team like the Falcons, I mean, they have a ton of cap and are really looking for an identity going forward. It feels like they've kind of found it in this run game and this just overpowering um, Arthur Smith scheme. I thought he would fit really, really well in there, especially with those two dynamic athletes on the perimeter in Drake London and uh, Cal Pitts. But I guess they're publicly out too. So I'm willing to bet right now that he's probably going to be playing on the franchise tag this year as on for the Baltimore Ravens, excuse me. And I don't think they can tag him twice. I think there's a rule where you can't do the non-exclusive or after you do the non-exclusive, you can't tag him again, something like that. Or maybe you can't tag quarterbacks twice. Now, but Kurt Cousins got tagged twice, but maybe that was non-exclusive. I don't remember the full rules. I'd have to look all into it. Um, but I think the contract talks really do just delay again to another offseason. And then we're talking about a very similar story going into next year. Obviously, depending on his production, his playoff success and all that um, could definitely affect his payday and what teams will be interested by then. Um, there's a ton of, you know, there's so many circumstances to think by then that it's not even really worth conversating about. But it's definitely going to be something to continue to monitor. Um, as of now, it sounds like he's really not getting interest from a ton of other teams. And I don't think it's really helping him that Derek Carr already signed in New Orleans. And now Aaron Rodgers might go to the Jets because that, again, might have been potentially two teams that were in on him. Um, and I, God damn, I hope Aaron Rodgers goes to the Jets. But that's a whole other story for a whole other day. And if that news gets broken, you guys will be the first to know because I will be so ecstatic about it. Anyways, guys, I think that's going to be it for me. I've been ranting for about 45 minutes here. I said this is going to be a fast episode, and I have to go to class in like 28 minutes because um, that's when the bus is across the street. So I appreciate each and every single one of you guys. I'm hoping I can edit this up in 30 minutes. And yeah, peace out. Follow my Instagram at Murphy's League. Appreciate y'all. Have a good night.